I want to talk to you today about what I consider to be the most important thing in our lifetime, a face-to-face -face encounter with God. There's a lot we can do in life. There's a lot we can survive with and a lot we can survive without. We have experiences. We have sermons. We have people in our lives. We have people discipling us. There's a lot that the body of Christ has that God set up because God is a God of order that we can survive without. You can be a Christian and not go to church. That's, that's doable. Now, will you be an effective Christian? Probably not. You won't be as effective. But you will survive and you'll still get to heaven. What I'm talking about today is you shifting your mindset from being a Christian that survives to being a Christian that can change the atmosphere around you. Being an effective Christian. You can't be an effective Christian if you don't look like Jesus. And you can't ever look like Jesus if you don't ever talk to Jesus face to face. See, we see in Exodus 33, which is going to be the scripture for today. I'll read more than one, I promise. But it talks about in Exodus 33 and it's verse 11. It says, so the Lord God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. And then he would return to the camp and it goes on to tell him, we're going to get to the rest of the story, I promise. But what you see with Moses, you don't see with people in the church anymore. You see people who are willing to work out. They go to the gym six, seven days a week. Some people make up an eighth day just so they can get to the gym again. It's not me. Look at me. I, you know, I'm not lying. Then you've got people who eat healthy and they won't eat certain foods. People are dedicated to every single thing in this life except knowing God. You have dedication and you have commitment beyond levels. People will give up steak. Who the heck gives up steak? Like what, what is going on? We have Christians who are like vegans. Like how does that even happen? I don't know. Praise the Lord. So we got people who will rely on everything. People are who com are committed to roasting people on the internet. People are who committed, they won't miss a single soccer game or football game. But no one is committed to seeking the Lord face to face. And so the first thing I'm going to tell you today is that an encounter with God is a gift and not a requirement. See, there are people who will live their whole lives without encountering God because it is not required to have an encounter that changes your life for you to get to heaven. You need faith and you need the name of Jesus to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart in order to get to heaven. But if you're going to live like hell on earth, then when you get to heaven, it's kind of pointless. You kind of wasted your whole life. But it will take an encounter with God to become serious about your call. It'll take an encounter with God to change the world around you. And you can't do that if you don't look like Jesus. So point number one, and I'm going to get sidetracked with the point. So we're just starting with point one. We're going to cross those bridges as we get there. Amen. Point number one is an encounter is a gift from God. It's kind of like praying for favor. You have a lot of Christians who be like, Lord, I want favor with this new house. Or, Lord, I want favor with this. But that's not how the, the word says. The word says that God rewards those who diligently seek him. So that means that favor is not something you can pray for. Favor is a response from God for being obedient. In the same way, an encounter is a response. And it says, if you'd like, you can turn with to uh, Matthew 5 verse 6. I mean, I can go there, but you believe me. I just, I'll quote it, and you can check me. 
like fact check me in real time. Matthew 5 verse 6 says that those who hunger and thirst shall be filled by the Spirit. Those who hunger and thirst, which means that we've now figured out that even like favor is not something you should pray about. An encounter with God is not something you should pray about if you're not willing to follow it up. If you're not willing to follow it up with the obedience in this next step, which is to hunger and thirst, you shouldn't pray for an encounter with God in the first place. Because God will honor those who hunger and thirst. Those who hunger and thirst, the word says, shall be, shall be. So if you want to be filled, you have to what? Exactly. God, you guys are learning so good. I'm, I'm so impressed. This is amazing. I, I, this is going to be easier than I thought it was because you, you guys are on point today. So we see that hunger and thirst is the first requirement to an encounter. See, unlike other things that prayer is the only requirement, an encounter with God requires you giving up something as well. It requires you being hungry. It requires you thirsting after the things of God. Most people are too dedicated to their own lives, too stuck up in their own ways to even desire a touch from heaven. I wonder myself, I'm like, how can you even live like that? How can you live serving a God in the most effective way possible without desiring to know him face to face? Every person in the Bible that was used of God had an encounter with God. I can list all of them right now. But the point remains that anyone who did something important encountered God. Why? Not because they decided they're going to do something important. Because they hungered and thirsted for a relationship with the Father, and God rewarded them. You see, an encounter with God is a gift and a reward. But you get to determine how often it happens. You are the one in charge of your own ship when it comes to this. Point number two, the frequency of your encounter is determined by you. I heard this quote once from Catherine Kuhlman, and it blew me away. Catherine Kuhlman once said that the greatest sin known to man is ignoring the Holy Spirit when he shows up. Yo, and I tell you what, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Ignoring the Holy Spirit when he walks in the room. In the very same way, God will continue to encounter you until you harden your heart towards his voice. It's like when you give, you give friends stuff. I know Eric, Eric, for example, is one of my favorite person to give stuff to. Why? Because Eric's heart is a heart of a receiver. He's the heart of a giver, so he knows what it's like to give to someone. He knows what it, like, what it means to give something to someone. And in the very same way, it doesn't matter what I give him, he still responds. And in the same way, God is looking at you. God is waiting on your response to an encounter. And you might be saying, oh, you know what? I, 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 when an encounter happens, I cry, or I fall on the floor, or I shake, or I laugh. I do all these manifestations of the presence of God. But God's saying, yeah, 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 that's not why you have an encounter. An encounter 
is a course correction. An encounter is an empowerment. An encounter is not just you falling out in the spirit. It's you changing everything about the way that you are so that you can say, God, I'm hungry for you. God, I need a touch. God, I need to change this generation. And God says, oh, I see your hunger. I'm going to respond with my presence. I'm going to respond because I'm not the God who sits on the sidelines. I'm the God who answers with fire. And so he baptizes you in fire. He changes your life and then he waits. And he says, what is your response now? Y'all, the things that you said in the encounter or the excitement of the vision, when this vision was cast back last year in, in, in December, there was excitement for it. Yeah, yeah, and then the real world happens. And then you see, oh, okay, this is what planting a church is like in the States. Oh, okay, this is what Americans are like. Okay, this is what uh, the different service times than usual. This is what people who shout are like. You know, like you go through all this real life stuff and then the excitement of the vision begins to diminish until people cast the vision. That's why the Bible says we need to be able to see it so we can run with it. And that's why scripture is in place. But how long are you willing to serve the vision God's given you even when the excitement dies? Because then you need to ask yourself, was I excited for the vision or was I just there for the excitement of the vision? What, what is my heart at? Was I coming to church for the encounter or did I realize that in the encounter, God gave me a new mandate and now everything shifted and I come back to be filled. I come back to be re-energized. I come back to be rejuvenated. I jump back in the river, not for myself now, but for a world around me who needs me. So you need to decide, am I going to be a Christian who talks to God once a week? Am I going to come to church every second week? I think the average statistic at the moment is that a Christian in America visits one service every month. And then obviously you've got your Easter and Christmas specials and whatever. But America has the highest percentages of Christians in, in the known world. I think statistically speaking, we're over 80% of America's population right now. It's, it's, more than one, it's more than three out of four people in America claim to be a Christian, an evangelical, evangelical Christian. But we see nothing. Because if you're going to decide to come to church once a week, and that's your only food, that's your only bread, then what I say today is not going to matter. It's not going to mean anything because you're going to go back to living your normal life for the next six days and come back to be filled up because you're like, oh my gosh, the world is so tough and people are so mean and religious people are everywhere and I got, I got fired or my boss doesn't like that I'm a Christian and you know, I'm just depressed and you got all of this dumb stuff that Christians put up with. Where the word of God said that you're called to change the atmosphere around you. So you're not called to go into a room that's dark and complain about you can't see. That's the dumbest thing. I heard, was it, was it Stephen, did you say this morning that, that Christians that complain to the world are like uh, answers complaining about the problem? I don't know when you said it, but I heard someone say it this morning. It was probably Josiah. I'm sorry. Josiah, I love you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Why are we going to sit here and complain 
going to sit here and talk trash about people, going to sit here and gossip. You've got one voice and you've got one life. And instead of shaking a nation, because it's not about, you guys look at yourselves and it's like, oh, okay, you know, he's young. He's got time. He can be groomed into a ministry. Or this. I, I, it doesn't matter like that. Moses wasn't young. You've got people in the Bible who at the end of their lives and they shaked nations. You've got people who are preaching in America who are older than dirt, but they're shaking nations. You've got people who are young and they're shaking nations. Because sometimes I think to myself, I'm like, I wonder if it's not about your age. I wonder if it's not about your qualification. But I wonder if someone's had an encounter with God. I wonder if there's someone out there, someone listening to me, who's saying, you know what, Jordan, that makes sense. You know what, I'm going to shake my nation. And I don't care. Maybe it doesn't start with an entire nation. Maybe it doesn't start with an international television network. Maybe it starts with my school. Maybe it starts with my family. Why don't I get my family under control again? Why don't I get my family back in church again? Why don't I change the atmosphere in my home again? Why don't we shift this generation? Why don't I preach to my neighbors again? Yeah, and you won't see that until you have an encounter with the Lord. Now, the third point is where I'm going to take a little more time. And I'm wondering what scripture is going to be. We might just hit all of these. But the first point was that encounters are a gift. The second point was that the frequency of your encounter is determined by only you. And the third point for today is that encounters are only necessary for supernatural calls. Encounters, <laughs> encounters are only necessary for supernatural calls, not natural ones. If you can live life without the need for an encounter with God on a daily basis, I would seriously question what you're called to do. I would seriously take stock at your life and decide, am I doing everything for the call of God in my life? We have pretty much every person in the Bible that I could find, whether it was Paul, John, James, Peter, Moses, Isaiah, you name it, they did nothing until they encountered God. And an encounter with God for a supernatural call empowers you to do something I had never seen in the Word before. And this, uh, this blessed me. I was talking, I was talking to someone the other day while I was working here in the studio. And I'm busy doing my thing, I'm busy, I'm busy putting batteries in the mics, I'm making my, I'm doing sound checks, I'm doing all of this happening. And out of the corner of my ear, I hear someone yell my name. And it sounded like Gavin. It sounded like Uncle Gavin. So immediately, I stop what I'm doing, stand to attention. I'm like, what? And I turn over. And it wasn't Uncle Gav. It was our sound guy, Ryan. 
Ryan does impersonations all the time. He's actually very funny, and it's, it's, it's sometimes I make fun of him. I'm the only one who's allowed to make fun of Ryan, just so we're clear. So if I roast him today, I'm the only one because he's my friend. None of you can say anything about Ryan or we're going to have a problem later on, okay? I'll, I'll talk to you later. But Ryan does impersonations. He does them all the time, and it's actually great. It's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. He'll impersonate ministers that come. He'll, we'll get him to, I'm going to stop before I get into trouble. But basically, so, yeah, you know, I'm going to get a text about this later. But basically, he calls my name, and he says, he says, Jordan. And I'm like, I'm like, is that Uncle Gav? And I stop, and I stand at attention. And I look over, and I'm like, that's not Uncle Gavin. And I saw, that, I saw that he looked at me. Now, he said what Uncle Gavin would say. He said it, that it sounded like Uncle Gavin would say it, but he didn't look like Uncle Gavin. So if I had heard his voice regularly, I wouldn't have responded the same way. Now, I love Ryan, but at the same time, if I'm doing something, I'll probably continue to do it. I won't stand to attention. I won't get ready for it. I won't do anything like that. But I'll be like, yo, what's up? And I won't even look up. But I heard the voice of what sounded like someone who was above me. So I immediately stopped what I was doing and I looked over to be deceived and see that it wasn't that person. Now, in the same way, the Bible talks about how we have been transformed into the image of Christ. When we are born again, even our molecular DNA begins to shift. Our blood is no, no longer our blood. We have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, we are raised with him. Which means we should sound like him. We already sound, we already have the same DNA as him, but we should sound like him now. That means the second thing we need to do, because we have the same DNA, we sound like him. The second thing we need to do is say what he said. When we base our lives on the Word of God, when we base our truths on the Word of God, and situations arise, then you speak to the mountains. Then you say what Jesus would say to the mountains. You desire an encounter with God, just like Jesus did. Everything about who you are begins to change. Now you don't just sound like Jesus, you talk like Him too. That's enough just to get people's attention. Finally, we see that in Exodus 33... After the encounter with God, Moses had to wear a veil. We spoke about this already. We've already talked about this. Moses had to wear a veil. Why? Because his image, his image was transformed into that of God's. His face began to shine with glory, just like the one who we had just seen. Which means... That unlike Ryan, when Ryan came out and put on an accent and said what Uncle Gavin would say and got my attention, when you talk as a Christian who doesn't just sound like Jesus and have the same voice as Jesus, because all of us Christians can have that. Any Christian who is born again and saved and filled with the Holy Spirit can quote Scripture. But when you have an encounter with Jesus, you not only sound like God, you not only like talk like God, but you look like God to your situation. So then there's not a devil in hell who can stand up to your voice. And like before when they said, oh, you know, we can stand up to this. It's like, it's just another Christian quoting scripture. No, no. When you have an encounter with Jesus, when you have an encounter with the one who splits the sea and has this cloud of fire to follow you by night, when you answer the God who fights for you, 
Then you look different. Then not a devil in hell can stand up to what you said. Not an angel in heaven has the ability to stop what you're about to do. When you quote scripture, it has to come to pass. All of heaven responds to what you say. Because you look like Jesus, because you sound like Jesus, and because you talk like Jesus. An encounter with God empowers you to be completely different. Set apart, ready for every good and perfect work that the Lord has for you. And finally, if you'd like to turn with me, we're all going to go to Exodus 32, uh, 33. This is the encounter with Moses. There were a bunch of encounters that I could have talked about. But this is the one I wanted to share on most because this is what touched me the most. If you're not there, I'm reading. Catch up. Okay. Verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, even as a man speaks to his friend. Then if you skip a couple chapters down, a couple verses down, we go to verse 18. Verse 18 then says, And he said to the Lord, Please show me your glory. And the Lord said back, I will make all of my goodness pass before you and proclaim the name of the Lord in front of you. I will grace you with my compassion, but you cannot see my face, for no man shall see my face and live. And when the Holy Spirit showed me this a couple of nights ago, I was sitting and I was just worshiping in my room, just lying, I was getting ready to go to bed. And all of a sudden it was like a cloud entered my room. And I, be, I, started, I started crying because I immediately, I knew it was the Lord. And I asked him, like, what do you, what do you want to show me? Because I knew there was something he had put on my heart. And this cloud entered my room, and I opened the word to this chapter. And I read the whole thing through. And for the first time in my life, I saw what I considered a discrepancy with the word of God. See, Moses says in, chapter, in verse 11 that he spoke to the Lord face to face. But nine... Yeah, nine, I can count. But nine verses later, we see God say, you can't see my face. And I was like, what, what does he mean by that? How do, you, how do you go from talking face to face, then to the Lord saying, no, you can't, you can't see my face or, or you die. And so I began to seek the Lord on it. I began to pray about it, began to read the scripture. And the Lord took me all over. But what he showed me, was he said, Jordan, an encounter with me has a price. An encounter with me has a cost. And every encounter is different. Because every encounter is for a different reason. So I began to ask the Lord, I said, Lord, what does this mean? You see, the first encounter, it didn't really cost Moses much. Talking face to face as a friend. It gave him everything he needed, but it didn't cost Moses the second encounter would cost him his life. Now, the word life in the Hebrew means, I think it's pronounced sh Cheyenne. 
Shine, it's it's C H A N Y N, whatever. It's like it's 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 Hebrew, whatever. I'm 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 English. So we see that this word in Hebrew it means life and it means to exist. But it also in Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, what Jesus used in the New Testament to quote against the devil, said that no man can live by bread alone, but must live by every word that comes out of the Father's mouth. That word life is the same word that it uses when, when God provided the manna. It was to sustain. So we see that this word doesn't just mean to exist. So when God says to Moses, he didn't just say, oh, okay, if you see my face, you'll die. He said, Moses, if you see my face and live. <laughs> Moses, if you see my face and live. Wow, I feel the anointing. <sighs> Nothing will sustain you <sighs> like you've seen. Moses, if you see my face and survive the first cost, nothing in this life will prepare you for the second one. <laughs> Jesus. Nothing in this world will replace what I'm about to show you. Even if you lived... You can't survive another day without me. And so being in this manifest presence, when you leave, you will die. Not just when you see me. If you survive, when you leave, you'll die. I feel an anointing. And then we see in the New Testament that Jesus claims, I am the unveiled glory of my Father. <laughs> For those who have seen me have seen him. And the veil has been torn, which means the first price has been paid. And it's been paid by blood. But that does not mean that the second price has been paid. <laughs> An encounter with God no longer costs you your life in death. But it costs you your life living. See, it's, it's, it's not, it hasn't changed. The word of God remains. It's the same today as it is tomorrow and forevermore. The first price has been paid in blood. The second price you have to pay with your life. <laughs> and you know, the part that blessed me the most was that Jesus, even though Moses, and see, here's the thing is, I believe that there's the will of God, there's the perfect will of God for someone's life. But I believe as a Christian, and because of your sonship with God, when you know who your father is, 
You have the ability to expedite the time of heaven. You might be asking what I'm... There was a woman who sat at the feet of Jesus in the Gospels, begging for crumbs. And Jesus turns around to her and says, why would I give you crumbs? For I haven't fed the children already. And she replies back, not a finches, even the dogs eat the crumbs off the master's table. We have another situation where Jesus is talking to his mother for his first miracle. And she says, Jesus, this is the problem. I need you to solve it. And he turns around and says, woman, what are you talking about? Now, if that was me, I would be dead, dead, completely, completely dead. My mom would have, I would have been toast. But Jesus turns around and says, woman, my time has not yet come. And Mary, instead of being offended, I know it's funny, but, <laughs> and Mary, instead of being offended, got over her offense and she pressed on the timeline of heaven. You have the ability to press on the timeline of heaven for your miracle. And she turns around in complete faith and says, do whatever he tells you to do. And all of heaven responded to her faith. All of heaven said, okay, it's time to move. And Jesus performs a miracle. In the same way, I wondered to myself, if Moses did not have the same faith, what his life would have looked like. See, he didn't have the Holy Spirit. So there was no ways he could sustain it. But for just a second, I wonder if Moses was like, you know what? So be it. Let me see your glory. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But he didn't. And Jesus is faithful, amen? Because later on we see in Matthew 17 verse 3. And I'll, I'll read it to you so you believe that I'm actually reading from the Bible, you know. Matthew 17 Verse 3. Starting, we'll start, we'll start right at the top. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. Yeah, you know, not everyone gets an encounter with God. There's three. Three of the twelve who were hungry. And Jesus took them and led them onto the mountain by themselves. And there he was transfigured, and his face shone, and his clothes became as white as light, the same as we see with Moses. And this part blessed me, because even though Moses was satisfied at the level that he was already at, Jesus said, I'm not done. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared. <laughs> even when we run, even if we don't agree, sometimes, not every time, but sometimes, God's faithfulness stands. God's faithfulness continues. 
And Moses was still able to see. Moses was still able to see. Jesus, who if you have seen me, you have seen the Father in his full glory and have a conversation face to face with the one who created him. After the veil had been torn. What we are witnessing now is not a generation who should be like Moses and wait till after Jesus comes to encounter him. Because we need to decide today that I don't care what the cost is. I don't care if it costs me everything. I'm not leaving this place without an encounter from God. I'm not moving. I'm not moving until you meet me. How can I live without you, Jesus? How can I go if your glory doesn't follow me? For what will, what will separate us? What will distinguish us from the rest? And I don't know about you. And I know I'm young. But I can't live here today living a natural call. I can't sit here today and watch as my generation goes to hell. There's something to be done. And the Word says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And Pastor Stephen, I know you're the same way. This is a supernatural call. We can't live without an encounter from God. Pastor Tommy, I know you're the same way. It doesn't matter what you're doing, but we can't afford to live this life the same way we've lived it before. Every day has to be new levels. God's not satisfied. God's not satisfied until you step up. God's not satisfied with you living the same way you've lived before. Oh. And if you're watching at home, lift your hands right now because I feel, I feel the anointing. Father, I thank you. Yeah, that name carries authority. When you know, <laughs> when you know, when you know your father <laughs> when you sound like your father when you speak the words of your father thank you Jesus father I thank you <laughs> would you encounter them <laughs> Jesus, everyone at home with your hands raised, everyone at home right now, the presence of God is coming through the airwaves. 
Just begin to receive. Just begin to receive. God's changing situations right now. I hear in my spirit, I hear families are being restored in Jesus' name. You're going to have an encounter right now. You're going to realize that you are called to be the father of your household. You are called to be set apart for His glory. I feel that so strong. Jesus, yeah, yeah. Lord, I thank you right now that every bondage that you have placed on the children of God, Jesus, in the name that is above every other name, God, we curse that disease in Jesus' name. And we send you back to the pit of hell where you came from. God, I thank you that you would mark your children even this day in the name of Jesus. <sighs> Jesus. <laughs> and Lord, would you please, would you meet us face to face? Would you meet us face to face, Jesus? Thank you, Jesus.